It's Valentine's Sunday, and so how many of you men, you're all taken care of. You were ready to go for today. You were set. You did your job, all right? Hunter, way to go. This was his first Valentine's as a married man. This was not the one to forget, all right? And so good job. Way to go there. The rest of you, man, maybe it wasn't so good. So hey, at least you got the rest of the day, and uh, we got several hours to, to rectify this. Today we're going to be in Isaiah chapter number 54 in just a moment, Isaiah chapter number 54. Uh, A little while back I was invited by a church, uh, Jenny and I, to come speak at a couple's retreat. And so we were there, I was speaking, she was sharing as well, and as I was preparing, this is a message that the Lord laid on my heart. I invited some of the couples to join me, and so we went up there, and I just, as I was praying about it, I really felt like this might be a message that would be good for our church family as well. And so I want to share this with you, and we're going to be in Isaiah chapter number 54, and and if I I were to sum this message up into one single statement, if I were to give it a scene today, I would say simply this, deeply, deeply understanding your union with Christ, and this is kind of, this is the foundation, the more we understand our union with Christ, the more we understand what happened at the moment of our salvation, the, the moment of our regeneration, the more we understand our union with Christ is really one of the secrets to successfully navigating our union in marriage. All right, so, so that's kind of the foundation, deeply understanding your union with Christ is one of the great secrets to a successful union in marriage. Now, I realize not everybody who's sitting here today is married. We've got some teenagers in here. Uh, We've got some widowers in here. We have some single folks who are not married. And, And so I want you to change that little last word as you're navigating this message. You could say it like this, deeply understanding your union with Christ is one of the great secrets to a successful union in your relationships, all right? So this is going to apply. If you have a relationship in your life, if you have parents, if you have kids, if you have coworkers, if you have relatives, then, then all of these principles will apply to you as well. But since it's Valentine's, I want to specifically apply some of what we're going to talk about to marriages this morning. But it'll definitely apply to the rest of us. Uh, if you're visiting with us today, we're glad you're here. Uh, right in front of you on the seat, there's a QR code. You can pull out the phone on your smartphone. Uh, the camera, I should say, on your smartphone, and hold it up to that QR code. It'll pull up our service program. If you want notes from the service today, all of those notes will be in there. There's also a place for you to just connect. We'd love to get more information about, you know, how you heard about the church and and things like that, so feel free to do that at any point during the service. There's some other things. There's announcements on there. If you need prayer requests, uh, you can put your prayer request in there. It's just kind of our our hub uh, a little bit for what we're doing. So uh, for the rest of you, I hope you'll grab your Bibles, turn to Isaiah 54. We're going to go to two passages, Isaiah 54, verse 5, and then I'm going to go to Romans chapter number 7, verse 4. These are going to be our two texts, and then we'll use those texts to launch in to our Bible study today. If you are physically able, I'd like to invite you to stand as we read from our text today, Isaiah chapter number 54. Here's what the Bible says in verse number 5. It says, for thy maker, this is God, the creator of the universe, for thy maker is thine husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. So in the book of Isaiah, there's a metaphor that is used to describe your relationship to the creator, to God. 
and it uses this marriage type of relationship. This, we don't just see this in the Old Testament. We see this in the New Testament as well. Romans chapter number 7 verse 4 uses the same metaphor when it says in Romans 7 verse 4, wherefore my brethren, all right? Notice what it says, Romans 7 verse 4, wherefore my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. Notice this, that you should be married to another, all right? You were married to the flesh, the sin. Now we're married to another. We're going to see here, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Uh, who in the New Testament was raised from the dead? Who is this passage referring to? Jesus Christ, all right? So it says, wherefore, my brother, you become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you may be married to another. Old Testament, we see the Lord of hosts, our husband. In the New Testament, we're married to another. We see this metaphor of marriage, this union. And what we're going to see today is that deeply, deeply understanding your union with Christ, what happened at the moment of salvation, what took place when you came and put your faith in Jesus, deeply understanding your union with Christ is one of the great secrets to a successful union in marriage, to a successful relationship with those around you. That's what we're going to see today. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll dive into our Bible study. Dear gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for loving us when, when we have utterly not deserved it. Lord, every one of us can look on our past. We can look at flaws in our character. And we can see all the reasons why we shouldn't be loved. And yet, God, thank you. Thank you for loving us, not just when we got our act together and we cleaned everything up and we behaved just the way a certain church told us to behave and acted the way that some other Christian thought we should act. Lord, thank you for loving us, Lord. Even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, you loved us. You chose us. You adopted us. And so, Lord, I pray that that deep, profound spiritual reality would inform, influence, and impact the way we navigate our relationships in this life. Lord, I pray that you would illuminate our minds. I pray that you would open our eyes. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be receptive to what your word wants to impart to us today. Lord, we pray this in the great and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated. Throughout the Bible, there's an astonishing number of terms, expressions, and images that bear witness to the reality that we have been made one with Christ. So just like in marriage, as Genesis talks about, we've been made one with our spouse, the Bible says that we have also been made one with Christ. And so it is in our oneness with Christ that also informs what our oneness in marriage needs to look like and how it needs to operate. And so we're going to see this. In the New Testament, we literally see hundreds of references to the believer's union or oneness with Christ, where the scriptures declare that we are in Christ or that Christ is in us. You see that over and over and over again, especially within the Pauline epistles, those epistles that the apostle Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So we see in Christ is mentioned 81 times in the New Testament. Union with Christ is not just a sentiment, it's not just a metaphor or an illustration. Our union with a living Christ is the essential truth of our new nature and our experience with him. 
You see, this is it's true in a way that transcends our finite understanding, and we really are truly, in a, in a very real sense, spiritually and bodily, in union with this crucified, resurrected, incarnate person of Christ. So like we said in our theme, deeply understanding our union with Christ, his death, his resurrection, his life is one of the great secrets to a successful union of marriage. So let's just dive right in because we've got a lot we've got to march through today if we're going to deeply understand this. So let's start in Romans chapter number six. I'm going to read about three or four verses that are going to lay the foundation for the first thought that I want to present to you today. Romans chapter number six, verse six says this, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, who? With Christ. All right. Part of our union with Christ means that we are in union with him in his death or in his crucifixion. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that we henceforth should not serve sin any longer. Romans chapter number 6 verse 8, two verses later says this, all right. Now, if we be dead with Christ... We believe that we shall also live with him. So here's again, we're seeing our union with Christ's death. This is very big. Keep going. Romans chapter number 6, now verse 11 says this. Likewise reckon. We'll talk about that word for just a moment. Ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Christ our Lord. That word reckon is an accounting term. Uh, How many of you remember back in the day when you would have to reckon your checkbook? All right, just like you would get into your, you knew your end balance, you could look at your bank statement and you knew how much money was in the bank, and then you had to go through and figure out all the charges that you made, and you had to reckon your checkbook. You had to kind of figure out, okay, reconcile and figure out how all the numbers, how everything you spent, how it made sense to that number that the bank had given you. You were reconciling your checkbook. That's exactly what this word is. Basically, God has declared that your account, you are loved. This is truth based on a spiritual reality. You are forgiven. You are adopted. This is a this is an absolute spiritual reality. And yet we got to take everything else in our life that happens, our actions, our behaviors, our thinking, our past, and we've got to reckon all those things so it aligns with what God declares. What God says is true. This is reckoning it. And so what the Bible is saying, hey, reckon yourselves. Take everything from your past. Take everything that you thought about, you know, then. Take everything that's been done, all your behaviors, all your, and reckon those things in a way that when you reconcile it, you see that you're loved, that you are forgiven, that you are adopted. Reckon yourself, now specifically here, to be dead indeed unto sin. God's saying this is a spiritual reality. Reckon it reconcile it to be true see the believer needs to reconcile or bring themselves into alignment to this new reality so what is it number one let's give me your first statement here by faith reckon all unhealthy desires negative emotions critical thoughts and destructive habits to be crucified with Christ here's what I'm saying the old man is dead Are you reckoning that reality to be true? Reckon it by faith, believing that what God says is a bigger reality than what you feel. Reckon that what God says is a bigger reality than what people around you say. That what God says and what God declares is a bigger reality than anything else in your world. world. God's reality is the ultimate reality. So reckon it. Reckon all those unhealthy desires, negative emotions, critical thoughts, and destructive habits to be 
dead or crucified with Christ. That's why in Galatians chapter number 2, verse 20, the apostle Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. What's he saying? He's all that junk, all, everything from the past, it's all dead. That's the reality. That is what is true. So let me ask you a few questions here for a moment. Let me just move the, through these for a second. What critical thoughts do you have towards your spouse that are undermining your relationship? What critical thoughts, they're not words yet, thoughts do you have towards your spouse that are undermining your relationship? If you're not married, <laughs> what critical thoughts do you have toward those in your life who you have relationship with that are undermining that relationship? Question number two. What carnal desires do you have that are unhealthy to your marriage? The Bible says in Galatians 5.24, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh. They've reckoned those things to be dead. They have said what God has declared is an ultimate reality. What carnal desires do you have that are unhealthy to your marriage? Question number three. What negative emotions do you constantly carry around that are hurting your marriage? You say, I'm not married. Okay. What negative emotions do you constantly carry around that are hurting your relationships? See, what the Bible's saying is, hey, this, all this, these unhealthy desires, these negative emotions, these critical thoughts, God declares they are crucified. They're dead. Let me ask you one more question. What destructive habits in your life are sabotaging your marriage? Or you could turn it around. What destructive habits in your life are sabotaging your relationships? They're just self-sabotage. They're, they're, they're habits. They're just things that you do out of compulsion. They're things that you do because you've always done them that way. And I don't ask these questions to judge. I ask these questions so there's space for the Holy Spirit to heal. Because it's not until we allow something into the open that the Spirit of God can come down and bring healing upon that. As long as we're hiding it, we're holding it, we're covering it, there's no space for the Holy Spirit to come and bring healing upon it. So number one, by faith, reckon. That is reconcile. Bring into alignment everything, everything in your life, bring into alignment so it aligns with the reality that you are crucified, that the old man is dead. That, that's what that passage is saying. Okay, let's keep moving on. So what else does our union with Christ represent? So the more we deeply understand our union with Christ, our union with his death, our union with his burial, our union with his resurrection, the more we will experience a resurrected relationship, a resurrected marriage. And this is the great hope that we're going to talk about at the end of the message. So let's keep reading. Romans chapter number 6 verse 4 says this. Romans chapter number 6 verse 4, uh, maybe verse 3, it says, We are buried with him by baptism into death. All right? Romans chapter number 6, verse 4. Therefore, we are buried with him 
by baptism into his death. Raise your hand if after you came to faith in Christ, you were baptized by immersion. Many, many of you have been baptized. The Bible says we're buried with him. That's why sometimes when the pastor would baptize you, it says, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why? You're ba being baptized. You're identifying your union with Christ. So here's statement number two. Statement number one was by faith, reckon all those unhealthy desires to be crucified with Christ. Here's statement number two. Bury the old man. And identify what your new nature actually craves. Uh, one of the guys on our staff, Alan, was telling me that back in Indianapolis, he, he was aware of a, a lady who had kept her husband embalmed in her living room. How many of you, how many of you wives, you're like, that's exactly what I'm doing to my husband the day he passed away. We're embalming him, we're putting him in the living room. A little glass case. How many of your husbands are like, you better do that, honey? <laughs> You're shaking your head, not a chance. You say, that's how many of you just, let's, let's admit, that's weird. <laughs> it's weird. When something's dead, we do what? We bury it. <laughs> we get rid of it. But you know what? For many of us who are believers, we kind of do the same thing. It's dead, but we kind of keep it in a prominent place in our lives. We don't bury the old man and identify what our new nature actually craves. Do you realize that your new nature has deep cravings that are aligned with Christ's desires? Which cravings went out in your life? Your deepest cravings, your deepest desires, or your loudest cravings and your loudest desires? You know what, for many of us, what desires went out, what cravings went out? The ones that are most apparent, the ones that are loudest, the ones that make us feel the most, the, those are the ones that we give into. And Paul is saying, rather than giving in to your loudest desires and your loudest cravings, give in to your deepest desires and your deepest cravings, the ones that have been given to you in Christ Jesus. Do you realize you've been given a new nature? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That means you have new desires. You have new cravings. You have new wants. And you can align yourself with those new wants that you have in Christ. The Bible says in Colossians chapter number 3, verse 3, For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Your desires are now God's desires. Your cravings are now Christ's cravings. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, for all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. It does not say he's becoming a new creature or he will be a new creature. You are a new creature. That's who you are already. Now, I realize some of us are not fully expressing the perfection that we have in Christ. Can we be honest? I am not perfectly expressing the perfection that I already possess in Jesus. But that does not mean I'm not perfect in Christ. That is my identity. 
That is the essence of who I am. And if you are in Christ, you are perfect, you are holy, you are righteous, you are blameless before God. Because of what Christ has done on your account. That is the essence of the true, real you. Believe it. Reconcile it. Reckon that to be true. You see, God has given you new thoughts. He's given you new desires. He's given you new emotions. He's given you new behaviors. It was St. Augustine, thousand plus years ago, who said, get this, love God and do as you please. Now, at first glance, that sounds crazy. I mean, I love God and do whatever I want. Here's why. Because the because the one who truly loves God, his wants are God's wants. His desires are God's desires. His cravings are God's cravings. When you are truly infatuated, obsessed, and in love with the holiness of God, guess what? You love him, you do what you want. You know what you really want? What God wants. That's the real you. That's the new you. The true you. So we see, second of all, that we have to reckon our old man to be dead and buried. And you've got to identify what your new nature actually craves. Let, let's give you a third statement here. Not only do we see the implications of our union with his death, the old man is crucified. Our union with his burial as we identify our new, we're, we're not, we got to bury that old man so we can start to experience the new man. Number three, let's look at the implications of our union with his resurrection. Ephesians chapter number two, verse five, all right? Ephesians two, verse five says this, we have been made alive in Christ. So the old man's dead, the new man, the essence of who we are has been made alive. Romans chapter number 6 verse 4 says, like as Christ was raised from the dead. So how many of you believe, based on the authority of the word of God, that Christ not only died, but he rose from the dead? The majority of us raise our hand we say we believe that reality. Here's what the Bible also says. Like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also walk in newness of life. Just as real as Christ was raised from the dead, that's how real your new nature is. It is new. You are not your old man. You are not your old desires. You are not your old cravings. Now, I realize we have psychological ruts that were put into us before our salvation. We're going to still wrestle with those desires. But those aren't our deepest desires. Those aren't our realist desires. Our truest ones are Christ. So number three, let me give you a third statement. Number three, by faith. If you want these, if you're like, I want these all written down. If you just go to the little QR code, open up your camera, hold it down there. All these notes are in there, all right? You can, you can scroll through them, copy them, paste them. You can do whatever you want with them. By faith, enjoy the provision for new life that is yours in Christ, made possible through the resurrection of Jesus. This, is, this gets really powerful. This is really, really good. The Apostle Paul, in one of his prayers, he cried out that I might know Christ 
But he didn't stop there. He says that I might know him. We preached a lot of messages on this passage. But notice the next phrase. He said that I might know him, and he goes on to say, and the power of his resurrection. The Apostle Paul was saying, I don't want to just know about Christ in this abstract sense. I want to experience the power of his resurrection functionally throughout my daily life. And that's what we're seeing here. We can have union with the power of his resurrection. You don't have to live the way you've always lived. Why? You have already been new. And because you've already been made new, you can live in a way within the power of his resurrection. It's possible in Christ. Second Peter chapter number one, verse three. I'm just, I'm giving you scripture here, all right? The Bible says in Second Peter chapter one, verse three, according to his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Everything you need to live abundant life, life and godliness, to be holy, righteous, to express that holiness, express that righteousness, was already given to you at the moment of your regeneration, at the moment of your salvation. It's already implanted within you. Guys, you don't have to run around wondering, okay, how do I get to be more strong? How do I get to be better? It's already there. You just by faith surrender to it. Too many Christians are running around. I got to get better. I got to do this. I got to do that. And they're like tr- pulling themselves up by the bootstraps. If I can just learn another tip about this and I can read another book about that and go to another seminar about all these, I can get better, 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 better. The spiritual life is not a self-help course. That's what makes Christianity totally different. The moment by faith you received it, God said, voila, you've got it. Now you can spend the rest of your life not living for victory, but living from victory. And this is how our union with Christ, deeply understanding this, gives us victory in every other realm of our life, including our marriages. Why? Because our makers, our husband. And we're no longer married to the past. We're now married with Christ. And that union with Christ makes it possible for us to have a successful union in marriage. Colossians chapter number 2 verse 10 says we're complete in Christ. We are complete in Christ. What do you mean complete? It means everything you need you already have in you. It's already there. It's there my friend. Now you got to surrender to it. You got to by faith appropriate it. But there's not something outside of you somewhere that you got to figure out. It's there. You by faith surrender to it, and the Holy Spirit lives it out through you. You're complete. Absolutely complete. Ephesians 2, 7 talks about the riches that are ours by his grace. They are not by works. These are not something we earn. This is yours for the taking. If by faith you'll surrender and experience it. Some, some of you, I, I, I get talking with you sometimes, and it's like, man, I wish I could be as spiritual as that Christian. I wish I could be like that guy over there. Can I say this? You have all of the Holy Spirit that I have. You have all of the grace that Gary has. Christ did not jip some of you off. He's not holding back on you. Well, when you start living real good, then I'll give you this grace. It's there. Now, whether or not you're appropriating it, that's another conversation. Whether you're surrendering to it, and allowing it to empower you, that, that's, that's maybe a little bit different. Not all of you are fully experiencing that grace, but all of you, are, you, all of you possess it. And so somebody you look to and like, man, they're like a super Christian. How do they live such abundant life? They've just learned to access what you already have. 
Ephesians 1 says he's given us every spiritual blessing. He's not holding out on you. He's given you every spiritual blessing there is. You have. Now, whether you're accessing, experiencing, enjoying it, that, that... See, what happens is many of us want to believe the lie that if circumstances go this way and situations go that way, then, or if people act this particular way, then I, can, then I can be at peace. Then I can be happy, then I can be satisfied, then I can be content. Can I say this? You already have everything you need, regardless of how your spouse behaves, regardless of what your boss does, regardless of how much money is in your bank account, regardless of the health reports. You have every spiritual blessing in Christ. You are complete in Him. You have everything you need to fully experience the fruit of the Spirit, His love, His joy, His peace, His hope. It's already yours. And deeply understanding your union with Christ and expressing and living that will have profound implications on the other relationships in your life. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 says this, It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Guys, when you reckon yourself dead with Christ, by faith you can also live with him. You can allow his spirit to live in and through your life. And in that posture, you will experience spiritual victory that you can't experience any other way. Not by pulling yourself up by the bootstraps, not by willpower, not by trying harder, but by simply surrendering by faith and allowing him to do through you what you can't do through yourself, recognizing that Christ is enough, that his joy, his peace, his love is all your heart actually craves. You, you think you need your husband to do that, your wife to do this, your boss to do those things, your, your bank account to be here, your career to go this way. And, and at the end, you know what you really want? What you really want is the deep soul cravings that God put in you, and that is to feel loved. And you are. Your deep soul craving to be at peace a peace that passeth all understanding, a peace that doesn't make sense. That's what your soul deeply actually craves. Not, not everything in your life to go perfect. And you already have access to that. See, as long as the enemy can get you to believe that you need everybody and everything around you to change for your heart to be at peace, then he can rob you of your spiritual inheritance. And that's, that's all he can do for the believer. He can't rob you of your salvation, so he robs you of your joy. And he robs you of your peace. And he robs you of the sense that you are loved and adored. Even though it's all available to you right here, right now. As you understand, as you understand your union with Christ, it will help you in your union with the people around you. We have a union with his death, a union with his burial, and praise God, we have union with his new life. And that's our great hope and his great promise. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to say thank you. Lord, there's, we don't have to scratch and claw and cry, climb and strive for something more. Lord, we simply rest. 
Lord, we simply surrender. By faith, we just come to a place where we believe that what you declare is the ultimate reality. It is an ultimate a reality above what we're feeling. It is ultimate reality above what our past told us or what people around us tell us, that what you declare is what ultimately is true. And we receive that voice above every other single voice. So Lord, I pray that for the person here today who is not enjoying all aspects of grace. I pray that today would be the day they surrender and just simply allow your spirit to help them enjoy the inheritance that's already theirs. If there's somebody in here today who does not have a relationship with Christ, they do not have access to this inheritance, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation, that today would be the day they place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone to be their savior so they can have the experience, the promise of abundant life here on earth and eternal life in heaven and to be have made peace with you. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody here today who to begin that relationship with you that today would be that day and for the believer who has made that decision I pray that today would be a day of fresh renewed surrender to Christ and to all of this Lord our heart simply cries out thank you